you never know when things are going to happen. And by planning those out, then when something does happen, your mind has already played through these and mapped out situations and solutions so that you don't have to sit there and think, oh, what am I going to do now? Like, you're just going to do it. I think all of those things make women feel a lot more prepared. It's not about fear. It's about being prepared so you don't have that same level of fear. Welcome to the Rising Beyond podcast, where you can find hope and healing after a toxic or abusive relationship. I'm Sybil Cummin, a licensed professional counselor specializing in working with victims and survivors of domestic violence and narcissistic abuse, including the youngest witnesses. Over the past decade, I have been honored to witness victims move to survivors and then to thriving in their lives. If you feel alone in your healing process, are dealing with the onslaught of post-separation abuse, or just needing some validation that you are not crazy, you are in the right place. So when someone first joins the Rising Beyond community or they walk into my counseling office after experiencing relationship abuse, they even look and feel small. They try not to take any space or room and even their voices are quiet. Their power has really been taken away from them. And we're going to try and give you some tips on how to get that power back and become an empowered woman. So in today's episode, Jamie Hobbs is going to give us some ways to feel confident and empowered. Jamie was born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri, and has made Colorado home since 2002. In addition to over a decade in emergency communications with 911, she's trained in active shooter response, crisis negotiations, sexual assault response, and more. Jamie is also an on-scene victim advocate for two other local police departments, and has a background in rape crisis and domestic violence assistant. Jamie co-owns Paragon Defense and has been teaching women's safety and women's defense, self-defense, in both the private and public sector since 2012. Her focus is on empowering women, and we need some of that today. Jamie, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so when people think of self-defense, what comes to mind? Like, what do they think about? I think for the majority of people, and I was this way too, you think of self-defense and you think of one Bruce Lee martial artist, you know, jumping up and round kicking, you know, like Chuck Norris or beating someone to a pulp like they do in the movies when um, really it's so far from that. Yeah. So what does it look like? I am an average woman. I am not averagely tall. I'm five feet tall. I am not going to beat the tar out of a six foot five man. Like, right. right. Like that is probably not realistic. I'm a, I'm a badass and yeah, not of realistic. So what does self-defense look like for me? I'm coming in. I am a small woman. What is, what can self-defense look like for me? Self-defense is so much more. If you set the physical aspect of it aside for a little bit, and you think about recognizing risk, you think about avoiding it or interrupting it, or even doing whatever you can do to respond to it appropriately without getting to that physical point. 
But if it does get taken to a physical level, you're going to use moves, not that are super fancy and technical. You're going to one, have the mindset that you're going to do whatever you have to do. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be fair, but you're going to win and you're going to make it out alive. Um, But also having just a few small techniques that are based on logistics instead of out-muscling someone or being faster than someone. There's always going to be someone bigger, stronger, faster than you are. So to have just some techniques in your pocket that you can use that are good for anyone, regardless of size or strength or someone five foot tall could, you know, fight off somebody that's six, four and yeah, you might leave, not leave them in a heap on the floor, but you're going to get away and you're going to escape and you're going to survive. Yeah. And I just want to notice the parallels. Like when you were talking about the goals of things, that is what so many of the, the women who are in my audience have done to some capacity. They have done whatever they needed to do to yeah. escape their relationship safely. Yes, exactly. And so I really love that parallel that they can, you know, look at it in a similar fashion. And also they haven't escaped by beating up their partner, most likely. So they've escaped by other means. And that's something that you teach in your classes. So tell me a little bit of the, the other side. So not the, you know, palm heel to the face or whatever it might be that you're teaching me. What is that other side of, of the coin that is so helpful and important to know so it doesn't get to that physical piece? So much of it are things that we already possess. Like we um, already possess all of our senses, most of us, and we just have to hone those skills. So situational awareness is huge. We talk a lot about that. We talk about listening to your intuition Especially as women, we have such a gift in that intuition inside of us. But I think from an early age, we learn to kind of push that down or not trust it as much as we should. And I think that's even more so if we've been in an abusive relationship or we've experienced some kind of trauma where one, we don't trust our intuition or we get it confused with a trauma response or is it really intuition or is it, you know, fear from what I've already experienced? So it's just honing all of those things that we already have. I can't tell you how many survivors of crime or violence that I've talked to. And they always say, well, you know, I felt like something was off or I knew there was something not right about that, but I did it anyway. And so it's really getting yourself to listen and recognize that feeling however it presents and using that to keep you safe. Yeah. And it is so true that that like pushing down, ignoring, not trusting intuition Mm -hmm. is a huge reason that people find themselves in an abusive relationship. And again, like you said, that might be because of a trauma response from a previous something, even before that. Or this like over-trusting and and giving everyone the benefit of the doubt, just Mm personality-wise. And so, you know, giving yourself permission to trust yourself. Absolutely. And also we talk about setting boundaries. So you had mentioned at the beginning about how if we've been in an abusive relationship, sometimes we feel small. 
I taught a class just about a week, week and a half ago where someone brought up when you're walking through an aisle at the store and a guy is walking the other way, who shrinks themselves and moves out of the way? It's mm-hmm. often women. And I think all of us are guilty of that because on one hand, it's polite, but they don't do that. A lot of them will just barrel through and expect you to move. And so it's learning to not be impolite, but to take up the space that you deserve. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if you see a lot of kind of that people pleaser personality or it's, you know, trauma response. If you look at at fawning that trauma response, Mm -hmm. not wanting to embarrass someone else or make someone else feel bad. Absolutely. I think you're working with them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is, can be attributed to, like you said, previous trauma, but also I think part of it is generational. Like I grew up, my mom was very polite to everyone. When you pass someone, smile and say hi, or just smile and be polite, even if they creep you out. And so I think kind of shifting that way of thinking um, is difficult for a lot of us, but it really is. If someone is setting off, you know, that hair on the back of your neck, or you're getting that feeling in the pit of your stomach that something's not right, you need to listen to that. And you don't necessarily have to smile and be polite to them. You need to set boundaries and listen to that. And it is weird for a lot of us because, you know, most of us want to be kind, but it's not worth the risk of our safety. And what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, someone's going to think you were rude because you didn't smile or you were rude because you, you know, told them to get away from you or something like that. In the grand scheme of things, that's worth your safety. (laughs) Right? Yeah. It's like in King Super's, which is a grocery store here in Colorado. A lot of people know it as Kroger. Am I going to see these people again? Maybe at the store and they may, you know, turn their nose up at me. I'm in the cereal aisle. Doesn't actually matter. Right. Doesn't matter. So when you're like, I'm thinking, when I'm thinking of self-defense, so often I think of like, I'm walking to my car at night kind of self-defense, which we need to actually think about those things. And yeah. the audience that we have does think about those things, but they're also thinking about this in the home. Yeah. So what are some things that are maybe different or some tips and tricks for that situational awareness or how to de-escalate things if you're in the home? I think one of the most basic and obvious is that if you can get away from a situation, if it's volatile or violent or um, starts to turn in that direction, if you can just leave your home or get out the back door, anything, leaving the situation is always going to be number one. And that's whether you're in a you know relationship that's starting to escalate or if there's a stranger in your home, both it, it goes for both mm-hmm. if you can escape. Also, though, I think just being aware of what's going on And not, um, if you can stay present in that moment, um, like you said, people in abusive relationships get really good at doing whatever you have to do. So however you need to navigate that moment to keep yourself safe, we'll never say, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Or what you really should do in that moment is this, because you know best and whatever you have to do to get through that is the right thing to do. But also don't be afraid to call for help or um, I know 
when you're in a relationship that's abusive, you don't want other people to know a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of shame, but if there's anyone that you can tell and make them aware of what's going on at that moment, or if it gets to the point that you need to call 911, I would say never be afraid to do that. Yeah. And so I wanted to touch on a couple things, but the 911 piece, we definitely are going to come back to. But I think the piece that I want people to hear is that you do know what is best. And you're so often told, you know, why didn't you? I would have left the first time or whatever that might be coming from people who don't know. Did y'all hear what Jamie said? You all do know, you know, your partners, you know, what is the, you know, their trigger to blow up and be a crazy person. And you know how to stay safe in this. And so to kind of take some ownership of that, that you do know some things. And so if you go to a self-defense class like Jamie's, it is not going to be forget everything, you know, what I'm telling you is right. Exactly. And that's something we cover at the very beginning of the class is we're offering you tools and options that you can take to heart and you can choose which one's right for you in whatever moment you're in. But we'll never say, well, if this happens, this is what you should do. Or if you come across this, this is exactly what you should do. And this is exactly the wording or the move that you should use because we're not in that moment with you. So we want to give you a toolbox of options that you have for your safety, but ultimately it's your choice and you're in control of that. Yeah. I love that because so often professionals that these women and men, because men are abused too, but these women come into contact with kind of take over that dynamic of holding power over Mm-hmm. And they'll replicate that dynamic and not allow the victim or survivor to have choice. Exactly. And that is right. The opposite of the empowerment piece that we're going for. Complete opposite. And that is not how we work at all. Yeah. Yeah. So going to the 911. So in all, you know, if we're creating a safety plan in the counseling office or We haven't had to do that in the Rising Beyond community. It is for people who have left. And if we did, calling 911 is on every safety plan. And Mm -hmm. there are huge barriers for survivors to call the police for help. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if you can help, like, as, you know, even as that, like, responder, you know, for 911, what are some things that, they can think about, they should know to share, they should know about their rights. Like, cause I think this is an area that they feel poo-pooed one time or they mm-hmm. weren't taken seriously or they were arrested as the abuser. Yeah. What can people, victims do in this situation when they're having a police interaction? I think there's a few things. One is that piece of honesty, like I've been there. I've been the one that had to call 911 for an abusive spouse. And it's hard when your emotions are high. It's hard to articulate everything that's going on mm-hmm. and how you're feeling and all of that. But dispatchers, police officers, first responders, they're all just people too. And especially police officers, they're bound by certain laws for one, but ways of conducting something. So if they may have a hunch or a gut feeling of what's going on, 
But if you're not able to help them out by articulating that or letting them know exactly what the situation is, it makes things a lot more difficult. So I know it's difficult. Like I said, I've been there. But if you can articulate exactly what happened, but also use words about how you're feeling, like their action made you feel scared, intimidated, in fear for your life or fearful, because that wording comes into play with a lot of laws as well. And I think that will help them kind of move in the right direction and get a feel for what exactly is happening and be able to take action against that other person. Yeah, because so often police are called, they come out, and you're looking a hot mess Mm -hmm. because you're scared, traumatized, worried about repercussions because you called, and your partner is cool as a cucumber. Yep. And so hopefully with kind of recent cases in the media about this, there will be some more awareness for law enforcement, for, you know, just people in the community. It's okay to be somewhat of a hot mess. Of course. And being able to share why you're a hot mess. Yes. In that moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anyone in a situation of abuse or violence or something like that, it's expected. Like, you're not going to be full as a cucumber. You're not going to be completely put together and super articulate. And it's not expected that you would be, but anything that you can do to express what the situation is and why you feel the way that you do and what you're feeling at that moment or how they made you feel is going to help. Yeah. I'm thinking of so many victims are, are turned down for like a civil order of protection or if they have like stalking or harassment. They're not really able to share or they don't share. Like I am in fear of my life. Yes. And charges, you know, can't be filed or they, if, if it doesn't reach the level of, I am fearful for my safety and my life. Yes. I think we get used to hiding those things and not expressing them and pushing them back down so that we can survive and navigate that relationship or that life. But yes, like you said, it is so important to express exactly what those thoughts and feelings are so that other people, as much as other people want to help, if they don't know exactly what's going on, it makes it a lot more difficult. Yeah. Yep. And so even though there are so many barriers to reaching out for any form of help, but, you know, police help, hopefully that can give um, anyone who's in that situation, just maybe they'll remember some one little piece is going to help them with that interaction. But I would love to turn because our focus is on empowerment and not allowing women to shrink, right? Like, yeah. So what are some of the things that you have seen to be so helpful in just, you know, I'm not sure your classes are day long or what do they typically look like? We have a couple different options. We do private classes and we'll tailor them to whatever people are wanting. But typically we have about a three-hour basic class. And then we have about a five, six-hour advanced class. So the basic one is where we cover a lot of the um, most basic. (laughs) 
of situational awareness and creating boundaries and listening to your gut and all of those things before we ever move into anything physical. Yeah. So what are some things that you've seen just be so amazingly helpful from, you know, kind of, like I said, the, the victim walks into my office for the first time and they are just in a shell. Like they're these little, you know, taking up no space to when they're leaving, what are some of those things that you do with them and that you just get to see these outcomes of, you know, I know they're leaving more empowered than when they came in. Yeah, I can tell you that is literally, and I'm sure you see this too, a physical change. Like when you see them come in, like you said, kind of not necessarily cowering, but um, a little more meek. And then Mm -hmm. to when they leave and they're like, oh, I got this. Like I can, I can do this. So a few things, I think one is literally just giving them permission to speak up. And like we were talking about, you don't have to smile and be polite to everyone you meet. If they creep you out, if they act inappropriately, you don't have to take that and you can set boundaries verbally and then you can actually do something about it. And I think that one is a huge, we, we talk about people having like aha moments in class and mm-hmm. you can literally just see the light bulb go off like, oh yeah. And the thing is most men that are, you know, good guys, if they offer to carry your groceries and you say, no, I got this because you're uncomfortable or you're walking to your car or whatever, a nice guy is not going to be offended typically. So if you come across as rude, he probably has a sister or a wife or a daughter and will get it like, oh, okay, yeah, I got that. So you're not even necessarily pissing off the the good guys. If they get upset over it, then maybe there's a reason and you definitely did the right thing by setting that boundary. Yeah. And so even just setting the boundary Mm -hmm. will give you information. Yes. On, oh, he walked away, not offended. Oh, this guy just called me a name and Mm -hmm. is being a crazy person walking in their car over there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's how, you know, when you did something right. I think a lot of it too, is that a lot of women don't want to talk about self-defense because they don't want to know all the bad things that are happening. They don't want to know what could happen. And I get that, but we're not in the business of, you know, fear mongering or, you know, trying to get you to do something based out of fear. It's exactly the opposite. So I think about like, if you're going to go camping, you're not literally going to just jump in your car, roll up into the mountains and get out of your car with nothing (laughs) because Mm -hmm. you're going to do your research and you know what the weather hazards are, you know, what the terrain hazards are, you know, there's wildlife up there. So you're going to actually plan it out. And it's so similar when it comes to self-defense. You're not going to focus on every bad thing that could happen, but you know, there are risks, especially as a woman. So you're going to plan accordingly. You're going to be prepared and you're going to be aware of what's going on around you. You're going to know that you're worth fighting for and surviving. And I think that's a huge part of it too. And then you're just going to learn how to hone all those skills and be aware. We talk about things as simple as if you're driving down the street and you stop at a stoplight, how many of us have driven home from work and then we get into our driveway and we're like, whoa, like I do not even remember that drive. (laughs) I'm home. Did I just do that? (laughs) 
And we all do that. But doing things like when you're sitting on a stoplight, looking around and saying like, what direction am I going right now? Or like what landmarks are around me? Or how close to the car in front of me am I? If somebody ran over and tried to get in my car right now, do I have room that I can move into the other lane? Or if there's a bus stop there, just paying attention to who is around you and then playing through like what if scenarios. What if that person like came over and tried to break my window? What would they do? And those aren't all things that are going to happen, but you never know when things are going to happen. And by planning those out, then when something does happen, even if it's not the exact same situation or scenario, your Mm -hmm. mind has already played through these and mapped out situations and solutions so that you don't have to sit there and think, oh, what am I going to do now? Like, you're just going to do it. So I think all of those things make women feel a lot more prepared. It's not about fear. It's about being prepared. So you don't have that same level of fear. Yeah. I think there's probably this, like this balance of that. Like I've been listening to some true crime podcasts because I'm fascinated with crime and like serial killers and cults. Like give me all that stuff that makes people, yeah. a lot of people anxious, whatever. <laughs> I love it. It's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be walking, like going on a walk. <laughs> and I am like, okay, that man over there is doing X, Y, and Z. And that one over there, did I see that car before? And that's a, you know, a blue Corolla with a license plate. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I you think there's probably a balance it. of being yes. really present, which is kind of what you're talking about is just being really present absolutely, and aware of your surroundings and then yes. listening to crime junkies or whatever your cr- true crime podcast <laughs> is and thinking every single person is going to kidnap you. Right. We don't want to get to that point um, <laughs> because there's a lot of good people in the world, but there's a lot of bad things that happen too. And so just being prepared and feeling empowered to take your safety into your own hands. Yeah. And that something you said before too, is that you have enough worth right now yes. to keep yourself safe. Absolutely. You have enough that worth is... right now to set a boundary. Yes. That is a huge, huge part of it because you can know every technical uh, move or skill to get out of something. But if you don't have that confidence and that belief in yourself that you deserve to get out of that situation and to survive and to escape whatever you need to do, then all those moves don't matter because what's the point? Mm -hmm. Yep. So Going to self-defense class is about gaining self-worth, seeing your value, finding even that physical strength, right? If you've never done sports or you've never done martial arts or something like that, going to a class and coming out being like, oh, yeah, wow, I have like actual physical strength. I can do things with my body. Yes. They have done so many studies about this. And, and that's the thing about self-defense as opposed to other things is you don't have to be super fit. You don't have to you know run a marathon. Anyone can be a victim. And so we're going to tailor everything to you. Even if you have a bad shoulder and you can't use that shoulder, that's okay. We'll work around that. But yeah, it's for anyone because anyone can be a victim. And it is really cool 
in class, once we teach just like the very first basic physical skill and it works and people are like, I just like, I just did that. That worked. Like I could have gotten out. I hurt that guy and he let go of me. Like I can do that. And it's so cool to see that aha moment when they realize that they are capable. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's this more holistic, like you are strong physically, you are strong mentally, you have already, if you've left your partner, you've Mm -hmm. already left an abusive relationship and you're here and alive and listening to the podcast. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't left, you're surviving and you do know what to do to survive because you're still here. And so it, you know, it's like honing into those focusing on your worth as you are now, you have worth even on your worst day. Absolutely. Yeah. You have enough worth to stay safe. Absolutely. So I think that that is so helpful and yeah, people do have kind of questions about what this looks like and, and things. So I'm so grateful you are here to chat with us and you have all these other experiences that actually help you be more trauma informed in your approach because you do have all these other outside experiences. And so if you are listening and you do want self-defense, maybe you're not in Colorado, cool, but you need to look for someone who does have a more trauma-informed background. Absolutely. And so, Jamie, if they are here in Colorado and they want to know more about you and your program, where can they go? So they can visit us at paragonselfdefense.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. So Facebook's Paragon Defense Colorado and Instagram is Paragon Defense. Our phone number is on there too. So if you have questions, like I said before, we do private classes. So even if you and the gals from work want to get together um, and learn about, you know, how to be safest when you're leaving work and going through a dark parking lot, like there's so much more to it, but it is a lot of fun to go through with people that you know, um, and trust, but we also do public classes. So we have a few, we teach through Thornton rec or Fort Lepton rec in different places. So, yeah. And don't worry if you're driving, doing laundry, whatever you're doing while you're listening, all of that info is going to be in the show notes so that you know how to get in touch with us and get in touch with Jamie. So Jamie, thank you so much. And again, the goal of the rising beyond podcast is to help empower you and to offer you skills, tools, strategies as you heal through and after an abusive relationship. So thank you so much for being here. And thank you, you all for being listeners. And we'll catch you next time on the next episode. You've already left your abusive and narcissistic partner, and yet you still have to have contact with them because you share children with them. And these communications via text or email can derail your entire day, especially if you're not sure what they're going to come up with this time or how to respond. I am here to help. Download this new and updated roadmap for communicating with your narcissistic ex by going to www.risingbeyondpc.com slash free or go to the link in my show notes so that you can respond to these communications with confidence.
you're healing from relationship abuse and are looking for support and sisterhood during this journey, I'd love to invite you to the Rising Beyond community where you will get expert guidance, connection with others going through similar experiences, and a safe place where you'll always feel seen, heard, and believed. To learn more and to join, go to www.risingbeyondpc.com. We'd love to be a part of your healing journey.